Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Isaiah chapter 23, beginning at the first verse. An oracle concerning Tyre. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed and left without house or harbour. From the land of Cyprus, word has come to them. Be silent, you people of the island, and you merchants of Sidon, whom the seafarers have enriched. On the great waters came the grain of the Shehor. The harvest of the Nile was the revenue of Tyre, and she became the marketplace of the nations. Be ashamed, O Sidon, and you, O fortress of the sea, for the sea has spoken. I have neither been in labor nor given birth. I have neither reared sons nor brought up daughters. When word comes to Egypt, they will be in anguish at the report from Tyre. Cross over to Tarshish. Wail, you people of the island. Is this your city of revelry, the old, old city, whose feet have taken her to settle in far-off lands? Who planned this against Tyre, the bestower of crowns, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are renowned in the earth? The Lord Almighty planned it to bring low the pride of all glory and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. Till your land is along the Nile, O daughter of Tarshish, for you no longer have a harbour. The Lord has stretched out his hand over the sea and made its kingdoms tremble. He has given an order concerning Phoenicia that her fortresses be destroyed. He said, No more of your reveling, O virgin daughter of Sidon, now crushed. Up, cross over to Cyprus. Even there you will find no rest. Look at the land of the Babylonians, this people that is now of no account. The the Assyrians have made it a place for desert creatures. They raised up their siege towers. They stripped its fortresses bare and turned it into a ruin. Wail, you ships of Tarshish. Your fortress is destroyed. At that time, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the span of a king's life. But at the end of these 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the prostitute. Take up a harp. Walk through the city, O prostitute forgotten. Play the harp well. Sing many a song so that you will be remembered. At the end of 70 years, the Lord will deal with Tyre. She will return to her hire hire as a prostitute and will ply her trade with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. Yet her profit and her earnings will be set apart for the Lord. They will not be stored up or hoarded. Her prophets will go to those who live before the Lord for abundant food and fine clothes. This is the word of the Lord. Our Father, we do indeed ask that we would praise you with all of our lives and not least of all right now in the hearing and paying careful attention to your word and then in obeying it. Uh, that we may trust in the Lord Jesus and him alone uh, for everything to bring us security. And we ask it in his name. Amen. Please do sit down. 
Well, welcome. It's uh, great to, ha- uh, to see you here. Um, two things you might like to do. One would be, uh, of course, to turn your Bible uh, to page 706 and to turn back to that reading that Isabel just read for us, Isaiah chapter 23, as we come uh, quite close now to the end of this uh, mini-series in Isaiah. The other thing we'll, that I think you'll find helpful as ever is to dig out the, uh, the handout that I've tucked inside the bundle that you were given on the way in. And uh, I think you'll find that useful to see where I'm going uh, in the next wee while. I uh, think this sermon will be much easier to preach today than it would have been, say, seven years ago. There are times, uh, Andrew probably relates to this, there are times when I prepare to preach and I think to myself, the Holy Spirit is going to have to do a deep work today for people to be convinced of what I'm about to say. And seven years ago, I'd have felt like that about Isaiah chapter 23, but, but not so much today. You see, here in Isaiah chapter 23, we see the bankruptcy of putting our faith in a global system of wealth creation through trade in order to bring us security. Now, I reckon seven years ago, before the current economic climate set in, we might not have been so convinced that wealth creation was not such a bad idea to give us security. But today, surely we can see how foolish it is. In this section of Isaiah from chapter 13, we've seen how the Lord has spoken to his people, Judah, by looking at the nations around them and telling Judah not to trust those nations because those nations have no future, not to put their security in those nations. In chapter 23, we come to Tyre, not a nation, but a city. A city not unlike the city of London, the financial square mile, a city that was linked to all the nations of the world because of its economic importance. Tyre and Sidon, which is also mentioned here in chapter 23, Tyre and Sidon were two leading trading cities of Phoenicia. Barry Webb writes of Tyre, and it's on the handout here. They served as bases for Phoenicia's lucrative seaborne trade, of which the ships of Tarshish were the outstanding symbol. Tyre then was a a bustling and vibrant port city through which the merchants of the day brought their goods and then plied their trade. So this is about Tyre, a real Mediterranean port city. But Tyre is also representative, just as we saw uh, with Babylon back in chapter 13, right at the beginning of this series. This whole section of oracles concerning the nations from 13 to 23 is bracketed by the oracles about Babylon and Tyre. Babylon in the east, Tyre in the west. Babylon representing sophisticated, cultural, opulent living. Tyre, fabulously wealthy through trade. And so John Oswald writes, again, it's on the, uh, on the handout, that Babylon and Tyre summed up from east to west all that the world of that day and this thought significant. Tyre represents a system that looks for and promises great wealth and therefore great security through trade and commerce. Look at the language in this chapter and we see that it all speaks of trade and wealth. Verse 1, ships. Verse 2, merchants. Verse 3, grain and marketplace of the nations. Verse 8, merchants and traders. And at the end of the chapter, verse 18, profits and earnings stored up and hoarded. Tyre is representative of the world of commerce. Tyre stands for the, the unacceptable face of capitalism. Tyre is the world that promises to make you wealthy through business and so then give you everything you ever hoped for. Uh, To the individual, Tyre is the world of the dragon's den. Do you watch that programme? I love it. 
where the dragons themselves have risen from being people with nothing to being people we aspire to be like. Fabulously wealthy and ridiculously successful entrepreneurs. And so, on Dragon's Den, people we've never heard of, complete nobodies, walk into the den and they pitch to the dragons, believing that the world of Tyre can give them what they want, a successful company and a life of wealth beyond their wildest dreams. On the international stage, Tyre is the world of corporate business and trading nations, the world of banking and finance, stocks and shares, and the G8. Had they been around back then, the Occupy movement would have permanently camped outside the cathedrals of Tyre. Tyre was uh, crucial right across the known world. All the cities of the world relied on Tyre in a way that almost the entire world today is reliant upon the banking system as we saw so powerfully when it collapsed. And here's the thing for us today. God's people in Isaiah's day had a strong association with Tyre. Israel and Tyre had been trading partners since the days of uh, King David and King Solomon after him. And uh, there's references on the handout for you to see that, that we got to the bottom of the first page. That's encouraging. We're, we're run, running through. But here's the thing, you see, for us. If, uh, Israel, if uh, Judah uh, was linked uh, with Tyre as they were, what the Lord says to his people through this oracle is this. Do not trust the world of trade and commerce for your security, for it will not last. Now, this is where this sermon is easier to preach than it would have been seven years ago. Surely we can see how precarious it is to trust in commerce and trade and wealth creation. Surely we can see the wisdom of this oracle today more clearly than any time since the Great Depression of the 1930s. I almost feel I don't need to preach it, but I'm going to carry on anyway. Now, with that background in place, we turn to look at uh, the detail in uh, the chapter in more detail. But, but one more word of introduction, and this is very important to have clear in our minds. Isaiah chapter 23 does not teach that trade and commerce and money and wealth are bad in and of themselves. Now, the message here is far more subtle than that. This is showing us that an underlying faith in prosperity is foolish. This chapter demonstrates how looking for security by chasing after wealth through commerce brings us a false security and ultimately no security at all. It's not saying that money's bad. This chapter is easily divided into two sections. We're over the page now on the uh, handout if you want to turn over. Verses 1 to uh, 14, the fall of Tyre, and verses 15 to 18, the rise of Tyre. Firstly, the fall of Tyre, verses 1 to 14. This section is bracketed by verses 1 and 14. The language is the same in both. You see verse 1. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed. Then exactly, virtually exactly the same phrase in verse 14. Wail, you ships of Tarshish, your fortress is destroyed. Very simply in verses 1 to 14, the Lord promises that Tyre will fall. And I reckon to get the full force, the real shock of these verses, we need to try and forget the current economic climate we're in and try to remember how we felt, say, 10 years ago, in the boom years, before the bust came, when property increased in value year on year, when you could expect a pay rise above inflation, when your investments paid reasonable and sometimes significant dividends, and when that had become the norm And the government was assuring us of a bright future 
Basically think back to a time when you felt financially secure. Because that's what Tyre did for the world. That's the mood that Isaiah was preaching into. And so as the Lord proclaimed a time of bust during a significant boom, it was almost unbelievable. Now it's into that situation we read verse 1. Wail, O ships of Tarshish, for Tyre is destroyed and left without house or harbour. From the land of Cyprus word has come to them. It's a dramatic opening. Here are the merchant ships putting in at Cyprus on their way home from Tarshish, only to be told that there's nothing to go home to. For verse 1, Tyre is destroyed. Tyre and Sidon have been commanded to be quiet. Verse 2, be silent, you people of the island. Uh, People of the island are the inhabitants of Tyre because Tyre was an island. Be silent, you people of the island, and you merchants of Sidon, whom the seafarers have enriched. See, a once bustling port enriched by the seafarers who were always coming and going had now fallen silent. This was a city that had been the centre of Egypt's flourishing grain market, as we see in verse 3. A place that was described at the end of verse 3 as the marketplace of the nations, now silent like a ghost town. Verse 4 describes an absence of ships on the waves of the Mediterranean Sea, leaving the sea like a bereaved mother with neither sons or daughters to raise. Now that Tyre's gone, that shipping trade has disappeared. Because of the importance of Tyre on the international stage, Tyre's downfall caused shockwaves right across the world. And so, verse 5, when word comes to Egypt, there'll be an anguish at the report from Tyre. To the first readers, the prediction was as shocking to them as the banking crisis was to us. Back in 2007, I can still remember how surprised I was when there was a run on the Northern Rock. Until, of course, the government stepped in to shore it up. And then, do you remember, bank after bank across the world beginning to collapse. It was headline news right across the world. The point is this, Tyre falls And as Tyre falls, the world is rocked. And verses 6 and 7, that resulted in an exodus from Tyre. In verses 6 and 7, we see the inhabitants of Tyre crossing over to Tarshish, which is miles away. It's a very distant place. And that spells out a real reversal of fortune. Tyre had been the centre of the, the commercial world. The whole world came to Tyre. Now even Tyre's own citizens are getting out. There's nothing there for them. It was, verse 7, a city of revelry, a place of noisy fun. Now the only noise is, verse 6, the sound of wailing. What a shock all this was. Tyre was, verse 7, an old city. Crucially, it was established. It had been there for years. Now people have upped and left. This was a city that, verse 8, made people kings and princes. Do you see it there, verse 8? Who planned this against Tyre? The bestower of crowns, whose merchants are princes, whose traders are renowned in the earth. Well, Tyre does the same today. Remarkably successful businessmen and women are celebrities, household names. I've already mentioned the Dragon's Den. Deborah Mead and Duncan Bannertime, we know the names. And it's not just that these people are well known, more than that. Successful business bestows titles upon people. Sir Richard Branston, Lord Sugar, Peter Jones CBE. That's verse 8, you see. It's important to us and so important to us because it can make us something. 
No wonder it's a shock when the system collapses. It's what we aspire to be. When the system brings success, it can make a nobody into a somebody. We don't want that to go. And so no wonder the question is asked in verse 8, who planned this against Tyre? And what a shock to hear the answer, verse 9. The Lord Almighty planned it. Once again, we see, as we've seen in every oracle, that the Lord is sovereign over the nations. And once again, we see the Lord acts against pride. Verse 9, the Lord Almighty planned it to bring low the pride of all glory and to humble all who are renowned on the earth. We've uh, seen this over these weeks. Human pride pushes the Lord to one side. Human pride says, I don't need God, I am king. Look what I've achieved. It's easy to see that pride in successful businessmen and women. Now, while pride is an offence against the God of the universe, I think it is in his kindness that he brings low those who are proud and humbles those who are renowned on the earth. For it's only when we are low and humble that we will turn to him. That's what this is about. And so the destruction of Tyre and the collapse of trade and commerce in her was brought about by the Lord. He, the Lord, planned it, verse 9. While it's uh, just too simplistic to draw a complete parallel between the economic collapse of Tyre and the recession that has gripped the world in these last years, I wonder, and I leave it with you to consider, could it be that the Lord planned what we are now going through? Could it be that in his kindness towards us, he has brought this about to bring us to our senses that we might return to him? To stop us from putting our trust in wealth creation and and commerce and capitalism and to put our trust in him alone. Well, that's something for you to discuss over Sunday lunch and before the tennis begins. I had to mention the tennis at least once today. What is in no doubt is that tyres collapse and the impact that had all around the world in Isaiah's day was the work of the Lord. Verse 11, the Lord has stretched out his hand over the sea and made its kingdoms tremble. He's given an order concerning Phoenicia that her fortresses be destroyed. He said, no more of your reveling, O virgin daughter of Sidon, now crushed. Up, cross over the Cyprus, even there you'll find no rest. It was, yes, the outstretched arm of the Lord which brought this about in that day. Or really, I should say, that would bring it about. For, of course, this is a prophecy. This is telling Judah what would happen to Tyre. And that's why the next verse is so crucial. Verse 13, look at the land of the Babylonians, this people that is now of no account. The Assyrians have made it a place for desert creatures. See the point of verse 13? If a mighty and celebrated civilization like the Babylonian Empire can crumble, then this can happen to Tyre. The point is this, while this is a prophecy, it hadn't yet happened. And so the inhabitants of Tyre and Sidon would have thought to themselves, surely not. The people of Judah would have thought the same. So the Lord says to them, look at Babylon, if she can fall, then anyone can. And again, for us today, we don't need verse 13. For sure, had I preached this seven years ago, we'd have sat here and thought capitalism, wealth creation, commerce, the banking system, safe as houses. But now, of course, we know that even houses aren't safe. We know that what looked looked immovable and solid is very flimsy and uncertain. 
And so this is a mighty word of warning to us, God's people today, to tell us not to make friends with the world, not to trust the world that Tyre represents. It tells us that to look to wealth creation for security will eventually leave us spiritually bankrupt and very insecure. It's a warning to us as individuals and as a church family. A warning that in many ways, as I've said already, I shouldn't have to preach because we've seen the collapse of Tyre in these last years. And yet, despite that, I don't know about you, but I still find myself looking to Tyre to give me security. That comes from my own sinful heart and indeed from the world at large. Let me ask you, how do you feel as we go through this economic recession? Do you feel as if your world has fallen apart? Or if it's not that acute, do you feel at least less secure than before? If you do, then it demonstrates that in some measure we are looking to security in that system. Well, this chapter and these events recently are here to tell us to look to the Lord alone for our security. He is the Lord Almighty. He's in control. The thing is, while that's the message from the Lord, it's certainly not the message we hear from the world. Through all this, what do we keep hearing from the government and the Chancellor? And this is not a political statement. For those in opposition, would, uh, would be working for exactly the same thing. What do we hear but the implementation of economic policies that will reduce the debt, get the economic, e- economy growing, and bring us again the stability that we so crave? But do you see the madness of it? We're trying to rebuild a pack of cards that has spectacularly fallen so that we can trust in a system that has already collapsed. In short, the world wants to see Tyre rise again, which strangely is what we see in verses 15 to 18, and that takes us to our second point, the rise of Tyre. Verse 15. At that time, Tyre will be forgotten for 70 years, the span of a king's life, but At the end of the 70 years, it will happen to Tyre as in the song of the prostitute. Take up a harp, walk through the city, O prostitute forgotten. Play the harp well, sing many a song, so that you will be remembered. At the end of the 70 years, the Lord will deal with Tyre. She will return to hire as a prostitute and will ply her trade with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. The language is colourful. But apart from calling Tyre a prostitute, this would be, in in a way, music to our government's ears. No, they wouldn't like the message of the forgotten years, 70 years, the length of a king's reign. That's a long time. Just think back to how the world has changed from 60 years ago when our queen came to the throne. 70 years is a long time. So the promise of 70 forgotten years, 70 years of being in the economic doldrums is a long, long time. Now, the government wouldn't have liked that part of the message. But that apart, what this promises is the rise again of Tyre. Significant economic recovery, the boom years returning. That's good news, isn't it? That's what our government and all governments of the world are working towards, the rise of Tyre. But it comes at a price. Look at how Tyre is described in these verses. Like a prostitute in verse 16 and 17, going back to her sordid work. And while I can't say I love the description, I can say that that description is very instructive. The point is this. 
when wealth creation through trade is everything to us or to a nation. A nation will be prepared to prostitute itself in order to trade with another nation. Now again, I have no desire to make a political statement here, so what I'm about to say is purely for illustrative purposes. There have been accusations that the British government was prepared to trade with Libya during the Gaddafi regime. And you all have heard of other situations on the news and through undercover investigative journalists. Suggestions that over the years this nation has done deals with unscrupulous people and allowed miscarriages of justice in order not to jeopardise trade agreements and foreign investments. And you'll have heard of arms being sold to undemocratic freedom fighters. Now look, I'm aware that we don't know all the facts and probably never will. And so I'm, saying these, I'm not saying these accusations are true, but I raise them this morning as a way of illustrating how a nation could prostitute itself when trade and commerce brings wealth and security and when that is everything to a nation. I raise these things as examples of a nation putting aside their morals, turning a blind eye to things that go against their own values in order to trade because that's the most important thing. That's Tyre. That's a nation prostituting itself, giving itself to others, getting into bed with others for payment for wealth and forgetting their values. But you see, this is not here primarily to wag the finger at the nation prostituting itself when trade and commerce and wealth creation is everything. Now, this is here to tell us, the people of God, not to go that way and not to trust in these things for our security. And we need to ask how we might be tempted to do that. This tells us not to be a people who will put aside our gospel principles in order to get rich. Not individually, not as a church family. I think this raises important questions for us about ethical investments and how we trade with others. Not simply to get the best price, but to be willing to pay a fair price. Now the outworking of this will be complex and my time is almost gone. But I think as a church family we should think about it hard. But as we try to work it out and, uh, and remember this, when we think that uh, trade and commerce and wealth creation gives us security, we'll always be tempted to put aside our gospel principles to make money and feel secure. To counter that, well, as we take communion in a moment, we should see that here at the cross of Christ is where we become rich and secure. The last verse of this uh, chapter tells us about the riches and security that will be ours in a way that might be a real surprise to, 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 to us. Indeed, as I look at verse 18, I, I think this might be the real twist that nobody expected. I'll read from verse 17, but it's verse 18 that should be an encouragement to us. Verse 17, at the end of the 70 years, the Lord will deal with Tyre. She'll return to her hire as a prostitute and will ply her trade with all the kingdoms on the face of the earth. Yet her profit and her earnings will be set apart for the Lord. They'll not be sawed up or hoarded. Her profits will go to those who live before the Lord for abundant food and fine clothes. Isn't that a surprise? Here's where we see that wealth is not a bad thing in and of itself. 
For it tells us there will come a day when all the wealth in the world will be given to God's people. This, of course, is looking forward to the the new heavenly Jerusalem, eternity in the new creation. When God ushers in that new age, then God's people will inherit everything. As As we close, turn with me to chapter 60 of Isaiah, if you will, page 747, and we'll see how this is picked up at the end of Isaiah. Page 747, chapter 60. And as I read this, look out for the language of chapter 23 that we've just been looking at. Look with me at chapter 60 and verse 5. Looking forward to the new heavenly Jerusalem, the Lord promises, verse 5, then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and swell with joy. The wealth on the seas will be brought to you. Do you see that's the language of the trading ships of Tyre? The wealth of the seas will be brought to you. To you, the riches of the nations will come. All that wealth that we've been thinking about in Tyre is going to come to God's people. And as people from all the nations of the world are saved through Christ and brought into the new heavenly Jerusalem, so we read verse 6, herds of camels will cover your land, young camels of Midian and Ephah. And all from Sheba will come, bearing gold and incense and proclaiming the praise of the Lord. Can you hear the riches coming in uh, to to God's place? All Kedah's flocks will be gathered to you. The rams of Nebaioth will serve you. They will be accepted as offerings on my altar and I will adorn my glorious temple. Who are these that fly along like clouds, like doves in their nests? Surely the islands look to me. There's the language of, of Isaiah 23, the islands. Surely the islands look to me in the lead of the ships of Tarshish, bringing your sons from afar with their silver and gold to the honour of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendour. Do you see it all coming together? In verse 9, the ships of Tarshish no longer about trade with a disobedient world, but bringing their wealth to the Lord. And then look at verse 11. Your gates will always stand open. They will never be shut day or night so that men may bring you the wealth of the nations their kings led in a triumphal procession. Isaiah, as he looks forward to the heavenly new Jerusalem, that the new heavens and the new earth that we as Christians look forward to on that day when we're in eternity, Isaiah sees all the wealth of the world coming into that place. Do you see the point? Life in in eternity, in the new heavens and the new earth, will be a place of abundant wealth. And all this comes to us through verse 16. The Lord who is our saviour, our redeemer, the mighty one of Israel. In Christ we'll not just have all we need. One day in eternity in Christ we'll have everything. We'll all be fabulously wealthy. Of course we won't need the wealth for security, but have all our security from Jesus Christ. We'll just have lots. Because, of course, there's nothing wrong with wealth. It's the misuse and abuse of the worship and the worship of wealth that is the problem. So Isaiah chapter 23 doesn't tell us that wealth is a bad thing, but that it's a terrible God. That it can't give us security. That pursuit of it will lead us astray. And when I have a right understanding of that, And when I put my trust in and gain my security from the cross of Christ, 
then I have a wonderful and lucrative future in the new heavenly creation to look forward to. A future where all my wildest dreams will come true. Certain of that, I will run to Christ now for my security. And I won't run to money anymore. Well, let's turn to pray. And I'll leave a moment of silence for us to bring our own prayers to God and our own response to all that we've heard. And then Tom Hollingsby will lead us in our prayers of intercession.